Welcome to The Reluctant Entrepreneur. My name's Johnny Tamale Morgan. And in this podcast, we're going to talk to thought leaders, business leaders, and entrepreneurs about their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations, and their challenges. We hope that you can learn from what we've learned, and I hope that I can learn from all the wonderful guests that we have. Thanks. This week, I spoke to a really interesting entrepreneur called Bethan Wallace Higson. She is the founder and CEO of Mother Root. Within this conversation, we spoke about how do you take an origin of an idea, a nugget of an idea, build it and grow it into a going concern as a business? How do you juggle family life, parenthood, motherhood with running a business? And how important is rest to your success? And actually, how do you ensure success? How do you set yourself up for success? And what lessons can you learn from your history to make sure that you drive forward to that success? Enjoy. So, uh, for anybody who's watching this and doesn't know who Bethan is, Bethan Wallace Hickson is the founder and CEO, and I've written down Flavor Queen. <laughs> oh, well. Of Mother Root, and uh, and I'll allow uh, uh, Bethan. I'll allow you to describe what Mother Root is in a second. But I highly encourage everybody to buy Mother Root. It is incredible. There is a link in the description. It is the most delicious non-alcoholic drink. Um, it blows my mind, and it is a firm favorite in our household. And Bethan Saskia has just bought loads of. Is it grapefruit for the new recipe? Uh, yes. To, to come to looking forward to it. Um, so, first of all, could you please, Bethan, describe what Mother Root is to us? Yeah, of course. Well, Mother Root is an alcohol-free aperitif that is designed to be full of flavor and strong, and it's made with great ingredients that are natural and happen to have additional benefits so it tastes good and you feel good as well it's really for those moments where you know the end of the day ritual of pouring yourself a drink or something delicious is really important it's a way of giving yourself something back um, and it's something in our culture many cultures around the world that's so associated with alcohol um but it doesn't need to be i think it's all about just being a really delicious drink and so what we're looking to do with Mother Root is provide an alternative to try to replicate an alcohol, but that's just that delicious drink for that time of day moment. And how did you uh, discover it or invent it? What was the process? So it's an interesting one because it's been a long time coming. We are still a new business-ish. I feel like we're really just finding our feet, but we're five years old. But I actually started making drinks like Mother Root and through pregnancy, I'm an absolute drinks nerd and worked for about 10 years plus in actually the wines and spirits business before starting to kind of explore how to make non-alcoholic drinks. But I think the two are really closely related because, um, yeah, I just love flavor. I love what I kind of that, that moment of coming together around a drink, sharing and relaxing. Um, yeah, community, history, all the kind of romance that's around drinking. And it was actually only in pregnancy that I realized for the first time that there was just all of that 
stuff that I loved, that romance, wasn't applicable to non-alcoholic drinks. I was hit with the same drinks that you have all day long, coffee, tea, water, juice. And then the evening comes and there was just this massive gap. And so I started eight years ago to, with my first pregnancy, lovely Fred, who's now seven, to just experiment for myself. Um, and the kernel of the idea was born then, but um, not really. I didn't think I would kind of, you know, turn it into a business, you know, for a number of reasons, because non-alcoholic drink, um, I mean, the category eight years ago wasn't what it is today. Um, and it was quite an innovative, quite, you know, bold, pioneering, you know, different kind of product, anything that was out there. And I guess it still is now, but it's almost like categories grown and matured enough for this to be like people are into exploring more unusual drinks, drinks that kind of push the boundaries of like flavor and people are excited to discover more. But yeah. Um, yeah. So eight years, I guess, is really the length of time that we've been going. But I feel like now we've just kind of got into a stride. When, when you, when you first came across the recipe that you, you now have as your foundation drink, um, was it a eureka moment? Was it like, yes, now I'm going to set up a business. I'm going to explore this, this burgeoning pat category of non-alcoholic drink. Um, sort of. I said the kernel. So I was like excited by what I discovered. So the, the moment really came. I love. I'd worked for a long time in champagne and, and uh, wine mostly, and I love the really fresh, high-acid drinks. Like, well, champagne is, is the classic one, very fresh, very high acidity, but also, let's say, Riesling, Sauvignon from Loire, cool climate white wines, German wines. And so that, like, I feel like acidity is something that, just a bit nerdy on the drink stuff, acidity is like the backbone, it's what carries flavor, um, it's what, you know, pulls a lot of disparate flavors together in a drink. And in the soft drink space, it was just kind of citric acid, um, uh, that, or citric or malic acid. So like the, the, like citrus juice acid or like apple juice acid that really is used. And they're very simple. Whereas I discovered vinegars and that was uh, strange to me because, you know, throughout my wine career, vinegar was a fault. So I came across this article about in the New York Times about New York bartenders using it as an, as a different kind of acid to kind of flavor their drinks. And it, you know, opened up this whole spectrum of more flavors that were possible. And I, that was like the beginning of me kind of exploring what I could do with vinegars to bring that sort of flavor complexity and acidity to non-alcoholic drinks. And that was the eureka moment. Like I started to explore it from there. I was like, this is so interesting. Um, you know, and I go down a bit of a rabbit hole and I realize that vinegar is like the third seasoning. You know, if we've got salt and pepper, vinegar is the third one. And there's loads of chefs to that. Um, I mean, Rene Redzepi from Noma, he's got his book on fermentation and there's a whole chapter dedicated to vinegar. And this, like with the subtitle of vinegar enhances practically anything. And like, I'm a firm believer now. Um, so yeah, I just kind of explored that. And I didn't invent the Switchel. The Switchel's this really, really old drink. Um, and it's a vinegar based drink. And, and, you know, vinegar has this hugely long history that goes back to, you know, ancient Egypt and ancient Greece that is, you know, um, follows the, it's like, what's the word? Is it synonymous or like it follows the same track as alcohol because it's a byproduct of alcohol. So wherever there was alcohol, there was vinegar and it was used for 
tonics and remedies, but also as a flavorful drink to be able to preserve all the amazing um, fresh ingredients of the day and seasonality. And it's only in the West and only in like turn of the 20th century that we sort of lost it in preference for refrigeration and sugars that became more widely available. But like we're rediscovering it now with all the interest in, you know, fermentation, and gut health, natural-based products, and also kind of getting used to that more complex flavor profile. There's this real um, rediscovery of it. So I took that recipe and applied some of the more refined wine aperitif-making techniques to kind of make it suitable for today's drinking needs. Well, it's really interesting hearing you talk about it, all, right? Because you're so obviously passionate about, obviously, Mother Root, but flavors and the history and the... the um, evolution of it all did did it just seem like a natural step to then take it into a business i think it was um i think i'd been talking about it i think i saw the opportunity quite early on but i didn't see myself as the person who was going to necessarily go and do it uh i don't actually know why i didn't see myself i think maybe it was a confidence thing that i'd never kind of pictured myself as being an entrepreneur it wasn't like i you went out there being like, you know, I'm looking for the next business idea. Not at all. Um, but I've always been creative. And, you know, I like to be able to put my ideas into action. And had, I had it previously, like normal jobs, frustrated when, you know, I'd thought about all these things and wanted to them going and for one reason or another, uh, you know, wasn't able to. So there's definitely... I saw this opportunity and it excited me, um, but it did take sort of three years from like that first exploration into it to actually launching the business. And I think that was because I wasn't necessarily putting my, myself in that place or seeing myself as the person who would do it. I also, even though I had no idea about what was involved in running a business, had an instinct and an innate understanding that it was going to be bloody hard and I wasn't sure if I could handle it. So I was scared to get it going because of fear of the unknown. Fear, everyone has fear of failure. It was more like fear of success because I'm, I'm a 100% all-in person and I know that I struggle and I still do struggle with balance. Like, how do you, like, I'm excited and I love what I do and there's always more to do, but there's also, like, everything else that is in my life that's super important. So, like, giving, sustainably being able to do both, is really hard and I kind of even though I had no idea I, I kind of sensed that, that was going to come around the corner um mm -hmm. so that that delayed it a little bit um but but no I and also peer pressure because every I had started to talk to people about this drink and and started to take like share it with people and every, you know it was one of those going around to friends houses and people being like so Bethan what about this business idea and it'd become a bit awkward so it was either I was going to do it or not I had to make decisions like yeah decided to go ahead <laughs> i connect with that so so deeply you know so, certainly as a sort of first time entrepreneur and i remember also i remember so clearly i had this experience a bit like you're you're going around with uh um with 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 the, the origin mother to your mates being like hey this is good i'm gonna do it to a business i remember when we had our first child Noah, uh, going to nct and meeting some people who are now dear friends for the first time. And they say, oh, what do you do? And at the time, I was an actor, right? And they're saying, what do you do? 
I said, oh, uh, I've got a communications agency. I didn't even know what that bloody method was like. And I thought, oh my God, now I've said it. I have to do it. I have to do something. Uh, and I, and I, I'm such a big proponent of vocalizing or making something public to hold yourself to account. Um, uh, because like you, I get so frustrated with talk and no action. It drives me bananas. Um, so, as you said, you created the, the drink that using Switchall, the Switchall, three years of sort of trying to work it out. And now, what, five years of it being a going concern? Work it out. Trying to work out how you then build it. Hi, a quick interruption. If you are enjoying this podcast, please like, comment, and subscribe just below. We really want to help build this channel and bring you as much helpful content as we can. Thanks. Enjoy. If you were going to look at Bethan, you just had Fred uh, and and had been like, oh, this, I'm going to start this business. It's so delicious. What advice would you give her? Um, that's a good question because I think I've thought about that. I, I feel like I've learned so much in the last five years, but there's a few key things that are recurring. Um, and the main one is to have trust my own instinct that um and have and, and be more confident in yourself because i think a lot of the moments of the last five years where i have wasted time or money been actually at the core of it through a lack of confidence and wanting to seek reassurance and advice from other people like self-doubt has made me sort of go and check over here and check over there and get someone else involved or whereas things could have gone much faster and and if I if I'd just kind of gone out and and done it my way or listened to my instinct when it was telling me ultimately the right thing. Um yeah. But I think that is always easy with hindsight. But I think I think over the last five years is those are the recurring themes. So I actually, one of my resolutions this year was to trust my instinct because obviously at each new stage of the business, you're encountering challenges for the first time, which are, which are growth like moment. And there will be, there's probably still within me like lack of confidence in those moments where I will probably want to then go and seek guidance and reassurance from other people. And of course, like little bits of that is okay, but not not too much so that it slows you down or makes you, you kind of second guess because ultimately you know your business better than anyone else and um, a decision is like, decision made is like the right decision because it's just like what the best you can like, the best that you can do on that decision is also another key thing that I've made like learned so just kind of getting more used to making decisions quickly being the best way and that they won't all turn out to be the necessarily the right ones the right one because it's a quick one and you know just do your best of it and carry on um i think is is some of the key things do you think that your confidence has grown because of having to uh get used to or have a comfort out of your being not in your comfort zone 
being stretched made you made your confidence grow. Yes. Or... Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, within that, it's like a wiggly line because you feel when you're in the heat of it, really low in confidence. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. But then on the other side of it, it's that's when you feel, whoa, another foot taller. Yeah. Whilst you're there, you're like, do I really have a clue what I'm doing? Why am I here? Other people would be doing this so much quicker. You know, you've been here before, Beth, and you know, a lot of self-talk. Since hurry out, just crack on. You know, there's a lot of that. How how do you quiet the self-talk? The negative self-talk? Um, it's a good question. I'm not sure I have any particular strategy, and usually it's just the momentum that, you know, Decisions have to be made. There's, um, so you just can kind of move on. There's pressure to get through. Um, you know, it's the people around me that help. Um, I've got a really good team where I can now share because I'm the sole founder. And that's been hard, not have, you know, basically having to make decisions on my own. Now I've got really trusted relationships where I don't have to do it all on my own. You know, I really feel like I've got can push some things to other people and I trust them in in so much that it's kind of on you know their decision and it's the more shared burden and but also it becomes more exciting that way as well because it's um it seems more like an experiment test let's try it let's see and you know if it fails it's fine and you know we'll just move on so it's it's definitely people related and then, um, you know, just doing, looking after my health, I think is actually really key, like getting, trying to get enough sleep. And of course, like when, when times are really difficult, sleep is difficult too, because I think, you know, get having that like middle of the night, two hour wake up where you can't, because of anxiety, scared about you, like your cash flow and, um, just, yeah, it's usually cash flow <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, uh, or if you're about to make a big call and it's going to cost a lot of money, you're like, is this the right thing? I have no idea. Um, that is difficult. So what I try and do to avoid it, um, well, I'm doing dry January. No surprise, really. It's in my category, but I am not teetotal. Um, I, I massively don't drink very much, but I, I find that even you know, when things are particularly stressful, just cutting out alcohol completely is so helpful. Primarily because it means that I have better sleep, like better quality of sleep, even if there might be the odd moment, the odd time where it's stressful and waking up, at least the quality of sleep that I have had is better um, and then removes that layer of anxiety that might mm-hmm. come up from time to time. Yeah. And then um, I'm not very good. Oh, sorry. It's a bit noisy. Not very good at um, at doing enough movement and getting out there but you know at least a walk or some time out in, in fresh air is really important too so those are the kind of key things how, how do you do that because i was going to ask you about rest and how do you prioritize rest something i'm rubbish at is rest uh and more importantly the quality of it um, the quality of my rest is horrific because either you're parenting or you're working or you're not sleeping because you're thinking about both of those things. Yeah. And really about work. And one of my big 
um, things I really want to start prioritizing this year is, is the quality of my rest. And that includes exercise and sleep and definitely not drinking, uh, much and stuff. And obviously drinking laser mother root. Uh, and um, how, how do you, how do you prioritize it? Do you? Um, I think I'm not good at it. I'm like you, I'm not good at it. I think that kind of sleep, I, I try and be, um, realistic with the things that I can do. And this is going to sound weird, um, because it's, is actually waking up earlier, but what I have, chosen to do get getting up half an hour earlier than what I would do so half an hour before the kids and that mm. I mean I my kids are now seven four so I don't have that hellish time where they're waking up in the middle of the night because I wouldn't have been able to do that before or like 5 a.m they actually sleep until seven and I think for the last year or so I've just been like, whoa this is great I'm going to max that out I'm going to sleep until seven I'm going to get out the most of my actually then you're waking up with them. You're like busy running around getting them ready for school, getting their breakfast and, and from the word, from like the moment go, you're busy, busy, busy. Then you get into work and you're busy, busy, busy and you go home and you do bad time. And where was that peaceful time? That's just a quiet time that wasn't rushed. And so just for the last week or so, um, I've been getting up half an hour before the kid, which was hard. That was a really difficult thing to do because I do love a little lion um but it's been so nice because it's quiet mm. and i can think and and it that's that's a different form of rest i think it's a rest for my brain that's i'm med i'm not meditating or anything i'm thinking maybe if i once i get used to this i might just see what that extra half an hour brings me um, mm. i haven't given it any plan that i'm going to meditate or maybe yoga or whatever just getting up half an hour and then let's see what comes to me and what I can make happen. I've, I think I've just tried to be more realistic, kind of goal setting and um, one thing at a time. Mm. And start small, like the, the you know, they say like habits can be formed, but by kind of going for the lowest, like what is, what is the phrase, you know, the lowest, uh, the path of least resistance. You know, mm. so that I can do half an hour earlier that I can do. So I started doing that and then let's see what happens from there. Um, whether it's a run in the morning. I mean, I have been known to do that maybe a couple of years ago. Um, so if those are the, that or meditation or just something like that, which I would love to be able to start doing, if that could be an outcome further down the line, I'd be delighted. Do you know what though? That half hour, I'm so jealous of it and. Obviously, mine's, my youngest is still waking. I was up with him for an hour last night yeah. or whatever. But, you, but no. having half an hour of my day that hasn't, that doesn't have expectation to it. Mm -hmm. Like, so, oh my God. It feels so dreamy. Like, oh my <laughs> God. It's, it was like such a gift, such a kindness. That's so just make a coffee and idly read the papers or something like that. Oh my God. Yeah. Quite emotional. The day. But I know it's not, I know it's not feasible for everybody, 
because I've been there when it hasn't, you know, it's only, mm-hmm. it feels like it's only kind of come into possibility in the last year or so, although I was unaware, but I wasn't thinking of it until now. Um, but yeah, so it's been a week. I'm enjoying it. Wow. <laughs> awesome. And it sort of relates to my next question. As, as not only a founder, but as a CEO, um, with grand ambitions for Mother Roots, how are you setting up this year for success? Right. And I mean that as an individual and as a business owner. Um, this year we're so excited. We've actually made some plan. <laughs> I feel like I've got my core team that's in place. Um, and I think the first, first things first is making sure that they are excited and in and motivated. And so setting them up with like everything that they need, but also the incentives for them to feel really part of this and we're building this together and I guess my job from the CEO perspective is also like making sure that I'm continually expressing the big vision because I think that's super exciting like whilst we can be bogged down with the day-to-day like being like guys we are on the path and actually it's it's not this huge big scary well it's scary but it's it's achievable it's like we are actually doing something and you guys are doing something and you know it makes it feel like within reach and I think that's quite motivating but also you know whether whether it's kind of ensuring that they have the like shares within the business as well so they're actually part of it so I've been bringing all of that stuff forward which is not outside of my knowledge you know making sure I've got the legal setup like all the practical stuff set up so that I can communicate really clearly to the team on that side of things um so that's a big learning for me, um, that that is a massive priority. And then um, we're going to be fundraising as well because now I feel like we're, we're, we know what's what and we are ready to scale. I mean, we, we've had the most incredible last six months and we're, we kind of want to pour oil a little bit. And um, yeah, and we've got lots of plans for that. So the first the first part of this year is as a, as a founder, as a CEO, is by like making sure my team um, is looked after and getting money in the business so that we can crack on with the great ideas that we've had and, um, yeah, and then stop. Uh, yeah, the fundraising planning bit takes me out of the business so much. I want to get back into, like, where I'm best and um, speaking about our drinks, making new drinks. Yeah kind of outward facing person at the moment I've been spending a little time with spreadsheets and um the fundraise will help just to make sure the right people are doing that and it's not so much me in the business and I'm out where I need to be <laughs> do you find it um uncomfortable being out of the business or yeah or do you prefer your hands off? I am that's a really good question. I love being outward facing and talking to other people about what we're doing. Um, yeah, things like this or speaking on panels or talking to customers. We talk to our, our 
you know, direct to consumer customers all the time. And I absolutely love it. Um, but because obviously this is a business that's mostly grown like organically, you know, learning, we figured it out. I've been very central in all of that, you know, last five years and it's getting to the point where I, I mean, I can't and I don't want, it doesn't make sense for me to kind of manage all the elements. So it's a definite learning for me about like finding the people you trust, the people who are like, and you can't, it's hard to, or at least because I'm first time founder and I've never been in a CEO role before, kind of codify what it means. But I think people who have the right energy initiative, um, they are really have their commercial heads like screwed on because they know at this stage of a startup, I mean, probably that makes sense for all businesses, but particularly you're in like, it's scrappy. It's, you've got to think always scrappy, like as much as, you know, it's important to do the, do things well and do things right. We're not a big corporate with loads of budgets. So you've got to also think like bootstrap mentality, like what can we do for no budget and be really creative and finding the people who have that kind of personality um, has meant that I can then, I have identified like that's the type of person I need and they're, inter- they're like brains operate in that way and mm-hmm. I feel more comfortable to then pass things on, you know, so that there's not going to be any stagnation. They're going to be able to like um, drive things forward in their own way um, and then that means that I can focus more on the areas where I bring value, hopefully, um, which is kind of pushing things forward and where are we going and big vision and, um, and the brand, because that, that's what sort of I created and making sure that down the line when we have, um, hopefully a, a space to have, you know, a brand manager that, you know, I've codified that aspect of the business enough for it's not just, not everything has to come up to me at the moment. It still does. We're a team of three. Um, you know, hopefully what we've got around the corner, you know, things that's going to have to change, uh, be a bigger team, have kind of the brand stands for written down a little bit more clearly so that other people can get a sense of that's right from other reasons and it not have to be checked with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's the real challenging phase that we're in at the moment that all businesses go through. Um, uh, when it, when you're having to let go of the reins and, um, but, but at the same time, we're still a small team and even, even, um, even in the next couple of years or so, we, you know, we're not going to be like a, a vast number of people. So I think there is, you don't want to put too many processes in, processes in. I think we can, it's still this nice, very instinctive, you know, verbal, understanding of what we are and we're together and we talk and um and that's enough i think there's i think we can get quite far by just hiring people who have that innate understanding of what we are um but obviously as we scale i'm aware that then we have to get codification of it is Mm -hmm. important so we'll do enough to get us to the next level Mm -hmm. You're going to nail it. That's what you're going to do. Uh, Bethan, thank you so much. 
I really enjoyed uh, this conversation. If there are any uh, suitable investors listening, I urge you to contact Bethan. Yep, yep. <laughs> incredible entrepreneur, incredibly passionate, uh, and has created such an amazing product. So um, it's delicious. Um, we wish you all the best of luck in 2024 and beyond. So thank you. Thank you, Julie. Same to you. Happy 2024. Let's get at it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us grow this channel by liking, subscribing and commenting below. See you in the next one. Bye.